Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. My guest today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. So, Chris, um, Monday of this past week, we had a, a huge rally. Um, and, you know, as you think about the market, it's, it's a discounting mechanism, right? And as you, as you see, you know, high single-digit percent increase uh, in a single day, especially in something like small cap, small cap indices, were very much led by cyclicals and regional banks. Now, is there any information content in Monday's rally that, that we can take away? Yeah, you know, Monday's rally was, was interesting, and, and it was clearly um, a short-covering rally, and oftentimes people will kind of downplay a short-covering rally, but at the end of the day, for heavily shorted stocks before they go higher, your initial buys are by people that are short the securities who've kind of decided, you know, we've gotten enough on the downside, let's start moving to the side. So that's kind of the beginning of a healing process. Um, And so in that sense, you would like to take some comfort in a rally like we had on Monday. And at the same time, it was, there was really good volume in Monday's rally. You know, the the countervail to that are, are really two items. One, despite the rally, and especially when you look, as you mentioned, the leadership out of the regional banks, um, and in some cases, you know, you had regional banks up 8%, 10%. They really weren't able to eclipse the prior highs that were set post the, post the April peak. Um, and we continue to kind of see lower lows and lower highs in the most cyclical areas within small caps. But more importantly, small caps in general haven't been able to break through and kind of reach new highs in this counter trend move. So I'm a little skeptical that there's a a lot of news in Monday other than I think what it's telling us is, look, we've bounced off the bottom. The market has discounted the recovery off of April. And now it's going to be a question of, well, what's the rate of change and improvement, not just in May. Clearly, we're getting that data and that's already in the market and probably, uh, you know, expectations for June are in the market. It's really July and beyond. Are we going to continue to see the same level of performance? And then the other piece that I really want to keep an eye on, and it could be having an impact on Friday as well, um, is you know, we've talked in the past about uh, money markets or the cash markets and the way they lead credit. And there's some nuances within the cash markets and specifically uh, within banks and banks' liquidity that as corporations drew down their lines of credit, they deposited that money with the banks. Now that some of that money may be being spent by those corporations, uh, that's going to reduce liquidity in the banking system, kind of reduce the balance sheet availability, and that may limit uh, some of the short interest out there, meaning margin calls may be happening a little quicker, um, and that may uh, put upward pressure on the most heavily shorted stocks over the short term. So, again, you know, it could be quite the opposite. It could be telling us things are going to get much worse. And then the final thing to say about Monday, which was, you know, in my own cynical view, was Wall Street at its worst. You know, the uh, news out of Moderna uh, regarding the vaccine, while hopeful, was 
by the end of the day being disputed, but early on there was already a lot of questions about the real integrity of the trial. And then to see Moderna issue $1.2 billion worth of shares after the close, but more importantly, there was a long line of equity issuance ready uh, for that rally on Monday. Uh, that was kind of the old pump and dump that you would get out of Wall Street. So while it, it certainly could be viewed positively from a volume standpoint, there were a lot of indicators that would make you reasonably skeptical of, of Monday's rally. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's an outstanding recap. Um, let's let's shift gears and and, and look across the across the pond a little bit. A um, couple questions here for you with regards to to European action. Um, you know, the United Kingdom had previously said that they're they're not considering issuing negative interest rate debt, uh, and yet this, this, yet this week they did. Um, and, and really, if the private sector is going to force pricing to negative rates, do you think that could result in the Bank of England lowering rates to a negative level? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, clearly, um, it, you know, we, we've talked about in the past, U.S. futures market are starting to price in negative rates. And as you said, you know, the U.K. this week issued guilt, or the Bank of England issued guilt, um, and the pricing was such that it was had negative rates. Um, I think the Bank of England, just like the U.S. Federal Reserve, is going to resist negative rates with everything in its power. Um, that being said, there, it's not out of the question that if we find ourselves in a situation where private sector credit is there's insufficient quality and banks need to hold loans, and they are being forced, in the case of primary dealers and other large banks, to to hold sovereign securities at negative rates, Um, it may be that, you know, policy rates or deposit rates may need to go negative. Um, I'm not there yet, and, and the reason I say that, we're still within the, the, the heat of the battle post COVID. Uh, and while markets appear to be improving, there's, you know, as we said, we're in the very early stages of credit loss recognition and restructurings. So I can understand why credit investors who are left with a lot of poor choices um, outside of the highest quality investment grade bonds would be willing to bid a sovereign bond at a negative rate because it may be kind of the least worst option they have. Uh, So let's keep an eye on it, um, and maybe we'll we'll certainly get some clarity over the next three months, but I'm hopeful that it's it's just a a unique phenomenon just given how flat curves are and how low interest rates are. Yeah, okay, good. And then then the next next European-focused question, Uh, Germany and France stated this this week that the European Union, Union should consider issuing mutualized debt with the proceeds allocated across the EU. Uh, so just wonder, you know, what, what do you think the implications of that announcement will be? You know, I, I think this is finally a recognition that um, we're at the, the point within the EU project where there either needs to be more integration or it needs to break apart. And while the announcement this week is far from the mutualization of, of sovereign debt, it's a step in that direction, or at a very minimum, it's a recognition that there's insufficient liquidity, capital availability out of the individual countries 
both the public and private sector to address the issues that are ongoing in the economy. So at a minimum, it says, hey, we're at that point where it's going to be make or break more integration or break apart. Um, and this at least starts to sound like a shift in tone out of Germany, who's really resisted the mutualization of some of the sovereign liabilities. So it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes from here. Maybe we just need a few denials out of politicians, and we know it's probably true and, and it's going to happen. Uh, but I, I view it as a positive step. Great. Uh, and then looking at jobs data. So, you know, the jobs data came out again today. Uh, weekly claims are, are still elevated, uh, if I recall correctly, about 2.4 million um, this week. And the state data seems to be leveling off. So the question for you here is, you know, is this consistent with an ongoing recovery? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is, you know, we've talked about we expected jobless claims, uh, weekly jobless claims to remain elevated for a number of weeks as we move from the short-term uh, business cycles that were laying off to longer cycle businesses that began to lay off. And so, yeah, the elevated level is, is not surprising at all. What's interesting is, A, the narrative that the market put out regarding these weekly jobless claims. And when you really look at the data, I mean, they're passing it off as if jobless claims were stable to slightly lower week to week. And I just don't think that could be further from the truth because they're only disclosing the state claims. And under uh, the stimulus packages, there's the pandemic uh, unemployment assistance program, which is a federal program that you gotta you gotta analyze and include in that analysis. And when you do, what you've actually seen was a big acceleration in unemployment claims this week. So, you know, if you combine the two, uh, last week I think they were running about uh, they rose about 1.4 million. Um, and then this week, that increased to about three and a half million. Um, and so, you know, that's a that's a pretty sizable change. And so it looks to me like there's about a, a $1.2, $1.3 million acceleration. And when you put it all together, you know, there's close to 36, 37 million people unemployed. And so to the extent we want to believe that there's going to be a V-shape off the bottom, um, you know, we're going to need to see these numbers settle down here. And I, you know, I'd give it uh, another week or so, another two weeks, um, and then we need to see some real stability and some reversals. If not, we're going to have the market starting to call into question the ability to have a V-shaped recovery. And then as we've talked about in the past, continuing claims seem to be the most important element. And you know, last week we mentioned a little encouraging in the sense that continuing claims actually declined. Well, this, this week's numbers really negated that. Um, and so it's something we definitely need to keep an eye on uh, and make sure that we are going to get the improvement that's already priced into the market. Right. And that continuing names, claims number is ugly and, and the absolute number of folks uh, unemployed oh. is, is, is a tough one to swallow and a tough one to think about how folks, when they eventually do transition back, how many of those folks uh, – will be employed yeah. um, at some level. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of rebuilding of savings and, and balance sheets and, and credit repair in front of us. And as we've said, you know, 
you can't change the cycle. The cycle is going to play itself out. Just respect it and know where you are in it, and then you can invest accordingly. Well, Chris, this is a bit of a speed round this week, so thank you for, for answering our questions, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Very much so. Sounds good. All, All right. right. Thanks, Take care. Bye. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.